Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Cindy, for those of you who don't know me. And today we're continuing with this series called Spirited and looking particularly at the idea of what it means to be called. And I want to challenge you today, whether you're a grown-up or whether you're a child, I believe that the Spirit of Jesus is calling you today. We're going to look at a really big story in the book of Acts, and it actually appears three times, which I think means that we're meant to notice something about it. Let me give you a quick intro before we get to the actual Bible readings. It's about a religious guy named Saul who is persecuting the Christians. He has an encounter with Jesus. He goes blind for three days. And then this guy called Ananias, who is like a first responder, gets sent by the Holy Spirit to pray for him. He gets miraculously healed. He can see. And Saul goes off and tells other people about Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So you might think that the key character of this story is Saul or maybe this first responder called Ananias. But actually, even though the book is called The Acts of the Apostles, it's really about the acts of God and the acts of his spirit. You see, this is about God's invitation. He's calling people to see. And you might say, well, calling people to see what, Cindy? Well, to see God's big plan for the world. You see, we're going to walk through this text today and we're going to look at three different things that Jesus' followers are called to see. To see God, to see life, and to see reality. So let's dive in. If you're looking at a version app, can I encourage you to go to Acts 9 verse 1? Or you might have a paper version of a Bible. Grab that and open it to Acts 9 verse 1 and grab a pen and maybe a notebook. Let's have a look at the very first opening verse It says, meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So here enters Saul, stage right, if it were. So he was this super zealous Jew who was persecuting Christians because they were saying that Jesus was the king. But the Jewish people at the time thought that there was only one king, and that was Yahweh. And in fact, Rome also thought there was only one king, and that was Caesar. So you see, Saul the Jew was actually partnering with Rome by persecuting these Christians. They were a threat. You see, Saul was a dangerous guy. He was after these new Christians who belonged to a group called The Way, which is basically just Jesus' followers following in the way of Jesus. But get this irony. I think this is amazing. Saul is on the way to kill followers of The Way when Jesus blocks his way. I mean, it's ironic, isn't it? God is about to change the redirection of Saul and what he's zealous for. This brings me to my first point about seeing God. You see, in Acts 9, 3, verse 4, it tells the story of what happens to Saul. Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul. Why do you persecute me? And in actual fact, the next verse says that he asks, Who are you, Lord? And this Lord introduces himself as Jesus. You see, this is God's initiative. This is not Saul looking for Jesus. It's a divine revelation. And Saul would have known because he was a Jew and he knew his Old Testament, he would have known that this idea of a theophany, of God coming to people, is often accompanied by this blinding light which is the presence of God. So it would have been a bit of an uh-oh moment for Saul. 
because he's coming face to face with this risen Jesus who he doesn't think actually is God at all. It's his stop sign, as it were. You see, he sees the heavenly light, so he thinks it must be God. And then he hears the name of Jesus, and he thinks, oh, he must be alive. And then he hears this double name call, Saul, Saul, which in the Old Testament, if you get your name called twice, it means you better listen up because there's a calling coming. You see, it's a revelation of God's own son that turns Saul's life around and allows him to see God, see the truth of who he is. And I want to put it to you today, and I'm speaking to the kids as much as the adults here, that God's first call to us as humans in general is to see him and to recognize who Jesus is because everyone is called to see God. In fact, God wants everyone to see him, to be a light in their darkness because Jesus is the king over the power of things like sin and death. When I was a kid, I used to go on family holidays and we would sometimes go up to a, uh, like a tourist destination and we would stand on a, on a high point and we would overlook mountains. And I've got these binoculars here today because I want to explain to you that for those of you who were growing up in the 70s and the 80s, you will understand this and you'll remember them, but um, there used to be these, these binoculars that would stand on a great big, um, like a steel pole, and they were really heavy. And as a kid, I would run up to them to go and see the view better, and I would stick my eyes into the binoculars and I'd try and turn it, but the thing wouldn't turn, and, and it was all dark on the inside until a parent would come along or maybe one of my older siblings, and they'd put a little coin in there, and then all of a sudden it would be like, the little, the little uh, the black things would sort of slide down and then you'd be able to see and you'd also be able to move the binoculars around. And I think sometimes it's like that with seeing God. You see, sometimes when we come face to face with the realisation of who Jesus is, it's like we see light in the darkness. And all people are invited to see him. You see, back in the day of Saul... God was bringing this new thing and it was called the mission to the Gentiles. It wasn't just the Jewish people who were being called. It was going to be open to everybody. And the Old Testament is full of prophecies and promises about how God was going to make his kingdom available to everyone. Everyone would get to see him. So what about you? I want to ask you, do you want to see Jesus? Do you want to see God more clearly? Perhaps for you it will be the first time that you've ever said yes to this question. It will be like taking a blindfold off or using the binoculars for the first time. But for some of us, those of us who are already Jesus followers, we may want to say, actually, I do need to see God more clearly in my life. He's becoming a little bit fuzzy around the edges and this lockdown is doing my head in. So maybe this is for you. You see, we're all called to see God. And I want to encourage you to make this your very first priority. You won't be disappointed. See, last week, Ali, when she spoke, said these words, which I wrote down straight away. I thought they were so brilliant. I had to use them. She said, life is better with God. And it's true. When we see Jesus, it's not just about one day going to heaven. It's about life for now. See, I think the spirit of Jesus is calling you to see God more clearly today. So I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to give you three or four seconds to think about it. 
I want you to ask him now for a fresh vision of who he is. Whether you might be seeing him for the first time or for the one millionth time. Ask him now. Who are you, Jesus? I want to see you more clearly. See, when we see Jesus, we see life. In Acts 9 verse 8, back to our story, it says that Saul got up from the ground after his vision and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. And for three whole days, he was blind. See, that was the outcome for him of seeing Jesus in the flesh, as it were. He became powerless and utterly dependent on God. He even had to be led by the hand by his friends who heard the voice but didn't see the light. You see, this is the second irony of this story. And I like the way that this guy called Ajith Fernando puts it. He says, Saul was spiritually blinded by the wrong conviction with a, until a greater light caused him to be spiritually enlightened even though he was physically blinded. It's bizarre, isn't it? Saul was blinded, but he's about to see. And he's about to see a new way of life than what he thought was the right way. See, Jesus is still alive by his spirit. It's a new life. And if it was called a mission, if it was a mission impossible, it would probably be called Operation Spirit. I mean, watch this. Watch what happens next. Enter Ananias. This is the first responder. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit calls him. It says, in Damascus, which is where Saul was going, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called him in a vision. You see, Ananias was living with the spirit of Jesus already in him. And this spirit is not new. For those of you who may have read the first verse of Genesis, it may be familiar to you when I say the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters of the deep when God created the world. In fact, the Bible project says, those who choose the way of Jesus find themselves energized by God's own power through his spirit. This is a biblical truth, and it's called the New Covenant. If you want to look it up later, jot down the verse, Ezekiel 36, 26. Basically, it was prophesied long ago that one day God would put his spirit into our hearts, that we might live with him on the inside. You see, we're all called to see life this way. It's life by the spirit. And for me, it's about the spirit of Jesus living in me. And it's possibly the same for you. See, he changes me and he breathes new life into me. I have a second little prop here today and I want to speak specifically to the kids but also to the grown-ups because I think this is going to be a really good example for you to remember. You see, the Holy Spirit breathes new life. So if I blow up this balloon, and I hope it's going to work today on live stream. Let's see. So far, so good. So when I breathe into this balloon, it's like the Spirit of God would breathe breath into me. You see, it's like the wind. We can't see what the wind is like, but we can see its effects. I'm going to try and tie up this balloon, and I never seem to be able to do it, but there we go. Done. So it's like we see the effect of the Spirit in the people he lives in. You see, we're all called to see new life this way. And to partner with the Holy Spirit. In fact, NCR has this fantastic slide that I love. And I have a feeling I use it almost every time I talk because I think it's so good. 
It talks about partnering with God to transform his world. And like Ananias, we too can listen and obey. You see, Ananias' instructions were so specific. Have a look at it. Acts 9, verses 11 to 12. Have a look how specific these instructions are. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. I mean, that right there. Imagine if you had that instruction. By the way, Straight Street still exists in Syria, in Damascus. It's called, I think it's Dab el Muscatim or something. And they've built a chapel in the honour of Ananias. It says to ask for a man from Tarsus whose name is Saul, for he is praying in a vision. He has seen a man named Ananias come and place hands on him to restore his sight. Isn't this bizarre? Ananias is getting a vision at the same time that Saul is getting a vision. So there's a double name call, look out, and there's a double vision, look out. The Holy Spirit is starting to work. But Ananias gets a bit scared. And in the next verse, which I'm not going to read out now, he actually says to God, are you kind of sure that this is the guy I'm meant to see? Because you know he's persecuting Christians, right? But God says, it's okay. He's my chosen instrument. I'm going to go and ask him to go and bring my name to the non-Jewish people. I mean, that's a big thing. And you know, the Holy Spirit is still really specific. I've heard lots of stories at New Community about people who have heard the Holy Spirit ask them to do things. It happened to me about maybe six years ago. I woke up one morning uh, with a dream, and I don't know if you've ever had a dream that you know has special significance. You wake up and you go, I think I'm meant to take note of that one. Anyway, I wrote it down, and I just held it sort of very closely, um, and I thought, there's something about this dream that's important. Anyway, I got the kids ready for school and dropped them off at school, and on the way out, in an instant, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me, and I heard a mixture of words and there were pictures as well that came. And I reckon it was a split second that I heard him say it. But I kid you not. He said, I want you to go past a cafe in Park Orchards. I want you to order a coffee. I want you to speak to the guy who's making you the coffee. I want you to tell him about the dream. And I want you to tell him that I am his heavenly father and that I am here for him and that, he, that I love him. Now, you can imagine my fright. I'm holding onto the steering wheel going... Surely, Cindy, you didn't make that up yourself. Anyway, any excuse to go and talk to people and have a coffee and tell them about Jesus. So I was on my way to Park Orchards. So I get there. Um, I find a cafe that's right in front of the T intersection. Um, I pull up and I'm like, okay, God, here I go. I went in and I did exactly as God said. And when I told the guy about this dream, he stopped making the coffee and he looked at me and he said, that's my dream. I said, what do you mean? He says, I have that dream all the time, like once a week. And in an instant, I felt this interpretation just coming into me from God. And so I started interpreting this dream for him, which was bizarre, but it was amazing because I could see it working. The Holy Spirit was giving me a specific instruction for this guy. And then his dream was about his earthly father and the relationship that was broken. So I got to talk about his heavenly father and I got to say that his heavenly father loves him. And sometimes I get it wrong, by the way. I've had quite a few blunders where I've tried to speak the word of God and I've tried to push God rather than wait for him. It's important to learn the voice of God. There's a guy who says that although few Christians have experienced a blinding flash of light like Saul... 
most Jesus followers can reflect on people, events and circumstances that show God's initiative in reaching them with the love of his good news. You see, God wants you to partner with him. So in what ways do you think God wants you to see this new life in the spirit? How are you going to partner with him? You could look at it like this. Jesus on the front of a tandem bike and his spirit calling back to you. Are you ready? He's directing. How are you going to partner with me today? You see, each person will respond very different to the spirit and in their own way with their own unique gifts. For me, I quite enjoyed going to that cafe and doing that dream thing. But don't ask me to crochet you a quilt because that's going to be a bit hard. But some of you out there, even as I'm speaking, will go, yes, please, I'll take that one. You see, Saul didn't change his personality. He was still zealous for God, but he needed to be repurposed and recommissioned. God changed Saul's heart, and he wants to renew yours and to refresh you with the Holy Spirit. Will you let him? See, Saul's calling was really big, and each calling is different. Sometimes we have callings for vocations and sometimes we just have a calling for the day to tell somebody that Jesus loves them. Sometimes we might need a corrected view of who the Holy Spirit is. You know, he's not that scary. I have a friend who comes to my house sometimes and often he has to pick up his little son because uh, my dog seems a little bit scary to him and so he says when he's on his dad's hip, he says, Oh, scary! And I say, No, no, he's not scary, he's a good dog! And I think sometimes we think the Holy Spirit might be a bit scary. We might think that actually he's going to ask me to do something weird, like send me to a cafe in Park Orchards. But he's going to do what's right for you. He's trustworthy. Get to know him. And your calling, it might be big or it might be small, but you too can be a chosen instrument. And I believe the Spirit of Jesus is calling you today to see new life in this way. So I'm going to ask you another question and I'm going to wait a couple of seconds while you think about it. What is it for you? How is the Holy Spirit calling you to see new life? And how will you partner with him? You see, when we see God and we see new life in the Spirit, we see reality. Acts 9 verse 17 in our story says that Ananias went to the house. He placed his hands on Saul and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes so that he could see again. So a few things to note here. First of all, how bizarre is it that Ananias calls Saul a brother? Secondly, he lays his hands on him and suddenly Saul gets filled with the Holy Spirit. What is that about? Thirdly, do you know that this is the very first ordinary believer miracle outside of Israel? See, something very exciting is happening here. There's a new reality and new life has broken in and it's called the kingdom of God. It's a new world order, if you like. It's almost like, hmm... It's almost like a positive COVID in the sense that it's infectious. And everywhere these people, these Jesus followers were going in the early days of the church, 
People were getting infected with this great news and it was spreading like wildfire, but it was good and it was life-giving. So you can't stop a tide when God is behind it. The reason why Ananias called Saul his brother is because there's a new family. It's a new kinship. It's called the church. It's the body of Christ. But I want to put this to you today. There is a warning that comes with this and sometimes that is that being part of the body of Christ and the body of Jesus can be a little costly because you might face a bit of ridicule. You might face a bit of rejection in your workplace or even in your family because we're called to be just like Jesus and he was a little different and staying faithful to the difficult way of Jesus is hard. Do you remember Jesus said to Saul, why do you persecute me? He said that because he wants us to know that he has an intimate relationship with his church and that even though we might face trouble, he is there with us. If you follow Jesus, you're called to see that reality. The Spirit of God not only in you, but in the body of Christ, in the church, at New Community. We're not alone. The second thing that I think is amazing is this idea of the laying on of hands. This is the second time it's happened in the book of Acts and it's not magic. Why do we do it? Well, there's a few reasons. Sometimes we might lay hands on people in a church because we want to bestow healing. But there's another thing. You see, Saul gets filled up with the Holy Spirit. It's like he gets this, this water poured into him. I had an experience quite a few years ago at a tiny little church in Blackburn and I went up for some prayer and I just wanted more of God. And these people, they placed their hands on me. And I think that I can look back to that day and say, you know what, something changed in me that day. And I think that's when I got filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in a whole brand new way than I'd ever known before. It's like starting a fire. I have a fireplace at home and I'm notoriously very bad at starting fires in my fireplace and often I have to put the fire lighters and I try and do the little teepee thing and I, I try and make sure that everything's all stacked right but for some reason I always get it wrong and, and it takes ages and sometimes there's a lot of smoke but all of a sudden um, some of those fire lighters will catch a light and it will just take off. And I think that's what it's like with the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened to Saul. He was filled up to the brim, set on fire as it were. And the Spirit was empowering him to go and speak to the nations about Jesus. And he does the same with us. Remember, it's about God's big plan for the world. See, Jesus followers, the new reality is that we are like a conduit of God's power and God's presence. And I think this is where it gets super exciting. You see, Saul, he gets a double miracle, double name call, double vision, double miracle. He gets to see again with his natural eyes, but he gets to see with his spiritual eyes too the truth of who Jesus is and the new reality that he's been called to. You see, from now on, Saul and any Jesus follower, in fact, can expect the unexpected. A life of miracles, perhaps. A life of signs and wonders. That's the reality that we're called to see. And you might not be seeing miracles as big as this one, but you might see small ones. It might be a word from a friend or a phone call at the right time. It might be seeing somebody else 
come to faith in Jesus and you say, that is a miracle. Everyday things. We need to practice our authority of who we are in Jesus because Jesus said when he left the world and sent his Holy Spirit that we were going to do even greater things than what he had been doing. That's a mind bender. You see, we need to know who we are in this new reality and whose spirit it is that really lives in us as Jesus' followers. You see, there's this shift that happens. We go from a natural space to a supernatural space. And it's not that we're going to over-spiritualise everything. And I think for me, there's always a danger of me going straight to the spiritual when sometimes things just are naturally the way they are. But it's like seeing with a new lens. It's like an overlay, as it were. You see, I don't know if any of you watched the Vimeo that came out on Thursday where Troy was speaking and giving us an encouraging word. He said this, and I have to write it down because it's just really good. So thanks, Troy, for the heads up. It really matched my talk perfectly. He said, whilst you've got one eye here on earth, on the earthly kingdoms, I want you to fix another eye on God's heavenly kingdom. That's not to jettison yourself outside of this space and time dimension, but rather remember that God has broken into this world and that his eternal life, his kingdom and his new creation is coming. And don't forget that. You see, I think what Troy was trying to say there and I think what Jesus is trying to tell us today is that there is a new creation coming and we're noticing the first signs of spring, as it were, like on a cherry blossom tree. We're seeing signs and wonders and miracles and the Holy Spirit giving specific directions to people for encouragement and for the purpose of this new reality because one day God is going to recreate the heavens and the earth and we get to be a part of it. So how are you going with this idea of this new reality? Did you know that everyday people who follow Jesus get to play with miracles and wonders because that's the new reality? That's how God wants us to operate in his world, to partner with him. See, the spirit of Jesus is calling you today to this new reality. God is pulling all the pieces of his kingdom together and one day he's going to restore it to perfection. And that's going to be a new reality again. And he wants you to be a part of it. Do you want to see this reality better? Do you want to get on board? Recently, when I text people, I have started noticing that my eyesight is not what it used to be. And so I have been noticing that when I text, uh, my thumbs tend to um, press the wrong letters and I'm sending words that I don't mean to send and I'm making blunders here, there and everywhere. And then when I go back later to check, I put my glasses on and then I see the text that I've sent and sometimes I'm horrified at what I've actually written because it's just gobbledygook and it doesn't make any sense. But when I put my glasses on, it's like I get a new adjustment of my vision. It's like I can see better. And I get to adjust my focus. And I think that's what we need to do with this new reality, is we need to put on a new lens and to adjust our focus. There's a story in the Bible about a prophet called Elisha who sees that there is a battle coming and he's standing on a hilltop and he can see what's going on, but he can also see that God is with him. But his servant next to him is panicking, saying, Elisha, what are we going to do? And Elisha says this amazing statement. If you want to look it up later, write this down with your pen. It's 2 Kings. 
I can't read that. It's 2 Kings 6. <laughs> I hope I've got that right. I should put my glasses on. And he says to Elisha, what are we going to do? And Elisha says to him, in fact, he says to God, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And all of a sudden, Elisha's servant sees these horses and these chariots of fire, like the Lord's army, absolutely surrounding the place to show that God is with him. And we might not get to see chariots and horses on fire, but we can certainly see the new reality that God has given us in this world. So I'm just going to ask you to ask God now. Open my eyes to see this new reality. Ask him, what's blocking me from seeing the new reality and what needs to shift? So this week, as I finish up, those three things that we've been called to see, God, life and reality, are your eyes open or closed to God, to life, to this new reality? And what's it going to take for you to have them open for the first time or to have them open just a little bit wider? In a moment, we're going to hear Peter sing a song. And during that time, it would be really great if you could uh, focus on maybe just a few questions for the week ahead. So get your pen ready. I've got three simple questions that you could ask yourself during the week if you would like to see God and life and reality better. One, if you want to see God better, ask him, Who are you, Jesus? I want to see you more clearly. If you want to see life better, fill me with your spirit, Jesus. Fill me more. How can I partner with you? And lastly, to see reality. Ask Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit. Show me the reality of what your kingdom looks like. And as Peter sings this song, open your heart and let the Holy Spirit minister to you and let him show you who Jesus is. Let me leave you with this last blessing. It's from Ephesians 1, verse 17 to 19. I pray that the God of King Jesus, our Lord, the Father of glory, would give you in your spirit the gift of being wise, of seeing things that people can't normally see because you are coming to know him and to have the eyes of your inmost self opened to God's light. Then you will know exactly what the hope is that goes with God's call. And may you be blessed and transformed this week as you open your eyes more to see Jesus.